0: All right, I'm gonna introduce myself, but I don't have, I'm not gonna take much time to do that because I have a lot of ground to cover. I'm married to Cindy, I met, I grew up, hey, actually I grew up in Southgate, California. My address is exactly 10 miles from this room. (laughs) So that's, I I Google mapped it. Um, I'm married to Cindy, we have two kids, Thad and Lindsay. Uh, both of our kids are married and have blessed us with six grandchildren, with one on the way. That's, that's awesome. So I'm the pastor of Church in the Valley Ontario Ranch now. Uh, when we started Alhambra, the CIB Alhambra, then we were able to move to Ontario. I started the church 35 years ago. Neil, Melinda, Cindy, and I, we go way back. We've tracked together uh, for 35 years now. And at, Neil has been a real example to me of a man who is willing to sacrifice for the kingdom of God. And at key points over the last uh, 35 years, his convictions have steeled me to do right. And so I'm really grateful for his role in my life. Tonight I'm gonna look at God's guidance when we're faced with complex, non-moral decisions. Moral decisions uh, involve right and wrong, and Christ followers find the direction for those decisions Out of uh, God's word, but we we only need to learn how to interpret it correctly. But tonight we're going to talk about non-moral decisions that aren't black and white decisions. They affect all kinds of arenas in our lives, Um, areas like dating, who to marry. You won't find the person of the name of the person. You're supposed to marry in the Bible, unless uh, you—they have a Bible name. (laughs) It might show up. But (laughs) anyway, parenting, career choices, which job to take, financial decisions, which church to attend—they're not. This is—we make judgment calls on these these kinds of things, and. They really matter. These are important decisions to make. Uh, It's not immediately clear what choice God would prefer you to make, so you, you just make a judgment call. We need a process for decisions that fits with the Bible. What is the most pressing decision you're facing right now? And I hope this talk helps you with that decision. A main challenge in making good judgment calls, and non-moral decisions are always judgment calls, is that the culture pulls us to trust ourselves. And non-moral decisions are, are it, it, the They're always a judgment call, and you're being pulled by the culture to trust yourself, to go where your heart takes you. And frankly, I don't trust my heart. Jeremiah, the prophet, says hearts are very deceitful. We shouldn't trust them. (laughs) Um, A powerful example of the pull of the culture is in the first Star Wars movie to hit the theaters. I I don't know which one it is. I'm I'm confused (laughs) on the order of of the movies, but it's, I went to the movie, I went to the Cinema Dome in downtown LA to see the movie. That's all I know. Um, When Luke Skywalker is learning to handle the lightsaber, the instruction uh, Obi-Wan gives him is at the heart of the message of the movie let's let's watch this together Uh uh-oh Remember, a Jedi can feel the Force flowing through him. You mean it controls your actions? Partially, but it also obeys your commands. (laughs) Okie religions and ancient weapons are no match for a good blaster at your side, kid. You don't believe in the Force, do you? Kid, I've flown from one side of this galaxy to the other. I've seen a lot of strange stuff, but I've never seen anything to make me believe there's one all-powerful force controlling everything. There's no mystical energy field that controls my destiny. It's all a lot of simple tricks and nonsense. I suggest you try it again, Luke. This time, let go your conscious self and act on instinct. (laughs) With the blast shield down I can't even see how am I supposed to fight your eyes can deceive you don't trust them now, stretch out with your feelings I call it luck. <laughs> there you go. Oh, here I am. <laughs> God doesn't want us to let go of our conscious self when we make decisions. He wants us to engage our mind, and that's that pleases him. So in contrast to the culture, the Bible gives some very clear and helpful guidance on how to make judgment calls when we need to make them. God promises to guide if we ask him for his guidance. He promises to give us wisdom, the wisdom we need to make the best decisions and avoid disaster. James 1.5, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given him. If we're not careful, though, we, we take the cultural push and baptize it, so to speak. This is what I did when I began to get serious about walking with God and including him in my decisions. I would pray and then go with my dominant feeling, just like Luke Skywalker, like Obi-Wan was telling him, coaching him to do. My thought was that God promises to give me wisdom so I should instantly get it if I ask for it. So I put together what I call the building blocks for God's guidance. I've arranged the key components of decision-making this way because it helps us to remember and think it through, not because it works like a formula. <laughs> there is no formula. We we have a guide. And so prayer is the first thing. Also, it's you start from the bottom blocks and work your way up, but prayer is where you start and it goes throughout the process. So here are the building blocks of God's guidance. Um, first of all, the bottom row is how you learn and do God's general will. It's, it's you, you learn it in scripture. And we're gonna start at the bottom. These blocks lay the foundation for uh, good decisions, wise decisions. They, They get us moving in the right direction. If you don't understand and know God's general will as it's presented in scripture, it's like looking for a street sign when you're in the wrong neighborhood. You just aren't gonna, you aren't gonna be able to figure that out. So, uh, knowing God's will and God's ways first. The first block, uh, building block number one is faith. The first major principle is you can't live without faith. You're going to have to put your faith in something. And God's guidance will never remove the need for faith. It just won't. His guidance is more like headlights. It's not a road map. We don't have a map. We have a guide to lead us forward, to walk with us. Hebrews 11.6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. It, It pleases God, to exercise faith, to trust him at every turn. Sometimes we need to avoid, uh, we try to avoid the need for faith by seeking God for a fail-safe formula in making decisions. And we think a formula will take the risk out of decisions, but there's not a formula. We have a guide, God himself, who promises to lead us. These decisions, like I said, non, non-moral, complex decisions are judgment calls. You make the decision, and then you see, you find out if you heard God right. That's just, there, there is, then the risk is never removed from the decision. And so um, over time, hopefully your batting average goes up. You make wise decisions more and more as you get into the Word. And, uh, and you take care with high-impact decisions. But Isaiah 30, 21 says, you will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. So. You don't hear the voice in front of you. This is the way it comes behind you after you've made the decision. And that's how it is. Here's a scene from Indiana Jones. Jones is reading from a guidebook on finding the Holy Grail. I guess I'm into Spielberg tonight. I don't know. (laughs) But still has a risk. Let's watch this. You must hurry! Come quickly! That's amazing, isn't it? So how did he, he how, how, that's, you take a step in faith and you find God holds you up. That's, that's the way it works. The way it works is when you're walking with God, you know enough about the decision you're making to make sense of what's best. He is our guide, though. To walk with us through the decisions so building block number two obedience second major principle nothing can substitute for knowing god and his ways through scripture here's another clip from indiana jones he he's making a life and and death choice let's watch this together You must choose, but choose wisely, for as the true grail will bring you life, the false grail will take it from you. I'm not a historian. I have no idea what it looks like. Which one is it? Let me choose. i yes. be made out of gold. That's the cup of a carpenter. exciting, isn't it? (laughs) The one dude chose poorly. How did Indiana Jones choose wisely? He knew enough about Jesus to make the right choice. We need to know scripture so God can lead us. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet. It keeps us from stumbling and a light for my path. It shines a few steps ahead. God will never lead you to do something that contradicts what he has said to do in his word. So we need to stay in the Bible and get to know it well. If you're new to the faith, God will guide you at your level of maturity. So... When, when you, you're carrying, or you're, you have a toddler, a younger kid that's in the parking lot, you, you want them to hold your hand, you force them to hold your hand. They don't want to, but it's best if they do. And then as they grow older, they, you can trust them more, hopefully, to navigate the parking lot without holding their hand. There is no excuse to stay ignorant, but God is gracious if we do stay ignorant, but he, we, we have to learn the lessons the hard way by getting lumps on our noggin. So you need to measure your decisions by the principles in God's word. For instance, dating isn't talked about in scripture because it wasn't practiced in the days of Scripture, um, they arranged marriages more. Um, I I, I think always. (laughs) But you can still apply scriptural principles to dating. 2 Corinthians 6.14 says, Do not be yoked together with unbelievers. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? For what fellowship... Can light have with darkness. This passage forbids being yoked with unbelievers, and it applies to marriage. It says this, because this is a principle in Scripture, because if you're yoked to an unbeliever in marriage, you can't share the most important relationship in your life with the person you're married to, and that's, that's God. It requires faith though to limit the field to only Christians. Building block number three, personal integrity. Integrity integrated. My words and actions match what I know is right. So I talk and I walk. The walk. So here are some key aspects of integrity. Faithfulness, first of all. Um, Proverbs 13, 15, good understanding wins favor, but the way of the faithful is hard. It is never God's will to shirk your responsibilities. Diligence is another quality of integrity. Proverbs 15.19, the way of a sluggard is blocked with thorns, but the path of the upright is a highway. So sluggards are too lazy to clear the path. So they're always running into trouble. And then finally, commitment is another aspect of integrity. This is shows up in a list in Psalm 15 of characteristics of people who please God. Psalm 15.4 Who despises a vile man but honors those who fear the Lord. Who keeps his oath even when it hurts. A new opportunity never cancels out a prior commitment. Often, You can get released if you appeal to the person you've made the commitment to, but it's never canceled out. If you need to give two week notice at work, you give it. It's interesting, John Rickert, uh, who's a Challenge alum, he went to uh, USC, he turned down the best architecture school in the L.A. area, because he had a prior commitment to a ministry effort. That's that's commendable, isn't it? Um, so we're going to talk now about searching for God's will. Uh, the middle row of blocks. As you begin your search, first of all, aim for a neutral heart. By neutral. I mean a heart that's set on God's will, not your own will. And when I I was dating my wife, I was nuts about her. And I, I can't say that I ever got to a neutral heart, but I was willing to say no if God didn't want me to marry her. That's what I mean by that. So decide, the second thing you should think about is decide to do God's will before you even know it. John 17 says, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether the, my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own authority. Why would God lead you? Why would he guide you if you weren't willing to follow him once you find out what he wants you to do. Next, put him first in what you do know of his will. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, and all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord, and shun evil. Do what you know, of God's will and walk in obedience. This is how you lean not on your own understanding. And he, it's amazing, he makes your path straight as you lean on his guidance. And this is what we want. We want the straightest path to the goals that we're trying to work toward And that's how you make the right kind of progress. So with that backdrop, we're going to start looking at how to get God's specific will for your life. Um, Building block number four uh, is clear thinking. Proverbs 14, 8, 15 Says, the wisdom of the prudent is to give thought to their ways, but the folly of fools is deception. A simple man believes anything, but a prudent man gives thought to his steps. Application of this verse Have a healthy caution about big decisions, ask the hard questions, be careful when you have the fever for something. I've had the fever for like to buy something often. <laughs> I have to trim that back. Be careful. Look ahead. Make projections. Anticipate consequences. Proverbs 21 5 The plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Haste is very d- dangerous in decision making. Sometimes we wrestle and we get tired and we just want to make a choice that we want to make and i call that decision fatigue you just want to hang in there you want to endure till you know the direction that god is leading you hang in there and endure to make the wise decision if if also if you're struggling with d- discontent Be careful. Don't just run away from a bad situation. There is much that God can teach you in that situation. And it's important to do your homework. My counsel is stay where you're at until God moves you forward, until you get a word from him that you are free to move forward. So I want to talk now about how to clarify the facts and bring the decision into focus. So we need facts, not suspicions. First of all, spell out the writing, uh, spell out in writing the exact decision. It helps me to clear my head and focus on the decision i'm mating, m- making. Uh, if I put it down on paper. I just brainstorm. I put everything I can think about related to the decision down, and then I I don't worry about how I'm, um, you know, if I'm making sense or not. I just spill it out there. This means I have to take the time to think it through. I have to think about it. I have to write it down, and It helps me nail it down uh, as I write it down. So for instance, I'm deciding whether or not to get a job. List your options. Work toward four options. It's rarely either or. I could start looking for a new job right away, or I could wait. There's two options. There are almost always more than two options. Here are the options. I could stay at my current job. I could get another job in the same field. I could find a job in a different field. I could go back to school for training while I stay at my current job. I could find a job in this area or open up the search to anywhere in the US. So next, write out the cost of each option for these things your personal relationship with god how will the various options impact my walk with god think about that think it through write it down family life what what consider, considerations should be my focus in family life for these options ministry what impact will each option make on my role in ministry my role in ministry in the future if I grow into leadership? And then what impact will it have on my finances? Count the cost. How will a change impact my budget, plus or minus? Next, outline the pros and cons. Take the time to outline the pros and cons for each option and be thorough. Don't be lazy in this. Finally, search the scriptures, or next to last, search the scriptures. Look look for principles that apply to each decision you are making, and start with what you know. Write it out. Think it through. And then ask someone for help who's more mature than you are in the faith. And seek wise counsel. This leads us to building block number five wise counsel. We don't need to pray or get counsel on whether to have a Big Mac or a fillet of fish at McDonald's, do we? I mean, I, I don't. I, I like both of them. It's, it's like my guilty pleasure. But um, I just go with what I'm craving at the moment, you know, not a big deal. We, we don't need to get counsel on every decision, but the more impactful a decision is, the more time, thought, and counsel you should give it. It's kind of like an accordion. So the more impactful the decision, the more time you take, if you have it, to make it. And then lesser decisions Not as big a deal. Proverbs 12.15 says, The way of a fool seems right to him, but a wise man listens to advice. So, wise people get advice. They get counsel. They seek wise counsel. You should seek the counsel of the wise. Proverbs 13.20, He who walks with the wise grows wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. The wise have an understanding of how God made life to work across all the arenas of life. They've been in God's word. They've lived life, if, if they're older especially. They, they've lived it out. And they've been applying the principles of Scripture to their lives and to the different decisions that they're making. And I'd say look for those who have good outcomes. Hebrews 13:7 says, "Consider remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider their outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith." So, if you're if you're wanting to advise on dating, then Talk to somebody who has, they've been through it. They're married, and they made a good decision. So that's, that's how you do it. Um, next, I would seek the counsel of the teachable. Proverbs 10, 17, he who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores correction leads others astray the teachable have been learning from their bad decisions they have listened to correction from the wise and maybe the corrections they that are just happening in the laboratory of life that that's how god works he's built his principles into the way life works and so The teachable people have learned from their mistakes. They've listened to correction and can show you shortcuts to avoid the same mistakes. So also true friends. In other words, friends who love you enough to speak the truth to you, not just what you want to hear. Proverbs 27.6, wounds of a friend from a friend can be trusted, but an enemy multiplies kisses. Um, Another set of, uh, another, some more people that you should seek counsel from are parents. Your parents have known you longer than you have. You don't have to obey them, but they may have helpful insight. And they'll be honored that you asked them for their opinion. And then people who know you well. People who know the field. Finances, relationship, parenting, uh, dating. G.K. Chesterton, Chesterton, he was a prominent uh, Christian who was being interviewed for the London... Times was asked if he was on a desert island, what book would he want with him? They expected him to say the Bible, but he said, Thomas, guide for shipbuilding. (laughs) He wanted somebody that could teach him how to build a ship so he could get off the island. And I want to say that we should avoid the counsel of flatterers. Proverbs 29.5, whoever flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his feet. You need an accurate perception of yourself and the decision that you're making. Flatters won't help with that. Sluggards, Proverbs 22.13, the sluggard says there is a lion outside or I will be murdered in the streets. These guys give fear-related counsel. That's all they do. And then rebels. Proverbs ten seventeen, He who heeds discipline shows the way to life, but whoever ignores a correction leads others astray. The wicked aren't going to counsel you. The rebels aren't going to counsel you to be obedient. They're rebels. <laughs> That's what they do. So I want to talk now about Asking God to show you his will and building block number six is prayer and promptings. This is the more subjective side of getting guidance and what we tend to do is we take that top block and we roll it like dice if we're not careful. We just pray about it, that's what I used to do. I prayed about it and I just rolled the dice and I went with what I felt at the time, what I thought was uh, the best path. So there are two possible extremes. Uh, Avoid these extremes. Uh, Anti-supernaturalists and anti-realists. Anti-supernaturalists are uncomfortable with something mysterious and elusive. Christianity becomes stale, boring, and a written code. Second Corinthians 3.6 says, we are made confident to be ministers in the spirit, not in a written code. For the spirit gives life, but the written code kills. So anti-realists are those who ask God to help them choose the color of their socks in the morning. They can experience constantly visions leadings, and it's easy to be focused on the latest word from God, you must always remember that there are three possible sources for the direction you're getting. Your own mind, Satan, our enemy, or God himself. And we, we need to learn to recognize how God directs. So we guard against being deceived by using all of the building blocks to decide and continuously, we're checking ourselves by refusing to rely on our own insight. We don't just roll the dice. We don't just do what we think's right. So here are some avenues of God's guidance. First of all, prayer. Many Americans pray and then do what seems right to them. They roll the dice. This is a part of the pie, but it's a crucial part of the process. It should go all the way through your decision-making process, but it's not the whole pie. James 1.5, if you lack wisdom, you should ask God. Prayer is a request, not a crank. We're not trying to twist God's arm, but we're trying to get in step with him. The Lord's Prayer is... Your kingdom come, your will be done. Not, not my will. You're talking to a person with a will of his own. And we should aim to adapt to his will, not try to talk him into our will, doing our will. Pray through to an answer. And the answer you get may be yes, no, or wait. Circumstances. It's a dangerous thing to decide that you're going to let circumstances dictate your decision. I'm going to pray that God opens the door, and if it's open, I'm going to walk through it. I'm just going to leave it up to circumstances. And that's scary. Instead, I want to walk forward with my mind engaged, trying to figure out what God's telling me. In Acts 14, Paul and his companions fled from persecution. In Acts 18, God tells Paul clearly to stay under persecution. So measure your circumstances against what you sense God's will and direction for you are. Third, prompting and leading. A prompting or a leading is an inner feeling that you should do such and such, take certain actions. John 10, 4 through 5, when he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice but they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. We we can learn to recognize God's voice. And here's here's how you can recognize God's voice. Leadings from God are consistent with his word. He's not going to lead you to do something that violates what is a principle of Scripture. They're consistent with who God made you to be. Major time and effort will be. God will lead you to put in the major time and effort in line with your gift and abilities. Not always in the comfort zone but in line with who you really are. And it's as you take risks that you find out more of who you really are. And that's how you come alive. They're usually characterized by servanthood, sacrifice, and faith. These are the things that God highly values. God won't lead you to be unfaithful. The enemy's guidance is self-serving and self-promoting, and also the flesh will lead us that way. And finally, God's leadings are more like a gentle tug than a jerking back and forth. If you feel led to do something weird or that's a high risk, check it out with somebody who's, more mature than you are in the faith, like a staff member, at challenge, or somebody at church that you can trust. Warning. Here's a warning. Don't give in to all leadings. God isn't the only one who gives them. Don't begin to look for leadings and not seek God in the process that he has shown us in the scripture. He gave you a mind. He wants you to use it as you seek his guidance. And watch out. If you're the only one that thinks that a particular decision is a good idea, that if counsel lines up with a totally different direction and a decision that you, that you, that you don't wanna make, you're in a dangerous place i hope this has been a help to you we've screamed through some things and uh... i'm gonna pray father we thank you so much for your word that guides us and the way that you lead us father you're our guide you lead us your word is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path and i praise you god for the way you help us and guide us. And I I pray that the decisions that are on the minds uh, and hearts of the students and staff here, I pray that you'd give clarity and guidance for them in these. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen.